Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's definitely going to be different not having those matchups that you would expect every year. Because the NHL drafts like 17-year-olds. The NHL has to tread the water really carefully. Like, they don't even have a goalie. Like, what is, what is the draw? But going into this year because of the Seattle Kraken's expansion draft. But Where is this going? Oh so, no, so listen, I hear me out. It's going somewhere. It's, it's just not part of hockey. Like, really looks like that weird dad I don't want me to pick up from school. Like, Welcome to Slapshot Sweethearts. Hello, hello, and welcome to Slapshot Sweethearts. I am Shannon. I am Megan. And today with us, we have a very special guest, our, actually our first guest of this podcast, we have Dale Arnold with us from Nesson and WEEI Sports in Massachusetts. How are you, Dale? I'm doing great, Shannon. Megan, how are you guys doing? We're good. You know, back to work after the holidays, keeping busy. Why don't we just kick it off, Dale, if you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got to Nesson, how long you've been with the Bruins? Well, I, uh, I went to Bowdoin College, you know, up in Brunswick, Maine, and uh uh, out of Bowdoin, I, I got an opportunity to, to go to work for the Maine Mariners of the American Hockey League. Um, I followed Mike Emmerich as the voice of, of the Mariners. Uh, spent seven or eight years riding around the buses in the American Hockey League before I got the move to the New Jersey Devils. Was there for a couple of seasons. Had a chance to follow Kurt Gowdy as the voice of the New England Patriots. That got me back to Boston. Uh, after three years of doing the Patriots, I got a chance to follow Bob Wilson as the voice of the Bruins. That was a dumb move on my part, as the, all of the other ones were, too. Uh, and then when the uh, when they split the TV package, Fred Cusick did half the games. I did the other half. I moved to TV. And uh, I've been with Nesson more or less, uh, you know, for the last, I don't know, 13, 14 years or so. Awesome. So... I'm assuming that you've been covering the Bruins now through COVID-19 and their, you know, the shutdown and the bubble and all of that. Yeah. I mean, you're seeing, uh, I do a sports talk show on radio. 
uh, you're looking at where I've done the sports talk show from since March. Um, this is where I've been. Um, when the Bruins went back to work, the, uh, the restart, um, I had to go into Nesson to do that. Uh, they couldn't set it up for me to do it from here. Uh, so I, I did go into Nesson for the, the restart and the playoff games, uh, although under very strict guidelines and very strict rules and very segregated workspaces. Uh, but other than the games on Nesson when they were in the playoffs, uh, I've been right here in this room since March 11th or 12th or whatever it was. How has that changed kind of your dynamics with the team and getting all of the information you need and just generally reporting in general? Yeah, it's, and it's, it's different for everybody. Uh, we've all become, you know, very adept here at zoom meetings like you, like we're doing right now. Right. Uh, you know, this is, this is, this is the way we make our living now is zoom meetings and, and video conferences and uh, all of the sports are doing it now. They don't have any choice. Uh, the Bruins started training camp yesterday. I haven't been back to Warrior because when they're practicing, I'm doing radio. So it hasn't worked out yet. Uh, but we've had, you know, a lot of uh, uh, phone sessions and video sessions as far as how Nesson will handle things on the new season that starts next week. Uh, and my understanding is that when the Bruins are at the Garden, uh, Andy Brickley and Jack Edwards will be at the Garden doing play-by-play. But whether they're home or away, uh, myself and Billy Jaffe and Barry Peterson and, and Andrew Raycroft will be at Nesson, no matter what. Uh, you know, we will not go into the building at all, uh, at least for the foreseeable future. When the Bruins are on the road, Jack and Brick will do play-by-play from Nesson, like we did, you know, for the playoffs mm-hmm. back in the fall. Uh, it's just the, the new normal. Uh, you know, whether we're used to it or not or whether we like it or not, uh, it's how we have to make our living right now. Yeah. Talk about the new normal. What do you think of this new normal the NHL has created with COVID protocols of realigning the divisions and kind of seeing how everything has come together? The divisions make sense to me. Uh, they, they had, you know, obviously the travel restrictions between the U.S. and Canada. They really had to do the, the North Division, which is the Canadian division. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll be curious to see how things hold up here for this season, because this is not a bubble the way it was back in August, September, October. Mm -hmm. Uh, The NHL and the NBA were both bubble sports. And as such, they were able to really keep uh, COVID uh, cases to a minimum or non-existent. You had them in Major League Baseball. You had them in the NFL. But those weren't weren't bubble sports. Uh, This is going to be different. You're going to have positive tests. It's going to happen Uh, in the NHL. Uh, it'll happen in the NBA. It's already yeah, it's happening. already happening Kevin in the Durant's, NBA. Yeah, Kevin Durant's, you know, locked down for seven days right now because of a, a close contact. It'll happen. Uh, the question is, can you keep it to a minimum? Can you, you know, keep the exposures to a minimum? And how do you handle it when you have them? It, it's going to be it's going to be a challenge for every team in the NHL. Uh, and it'll be a challenge almost more for the guys in the room. And what kind of veteran leadership you have. And, uh, you know, how do you keep guys on the straight and narrow? Every team has rules. The Bruins have rules. Every other team in the NHL has rules. But you really need the leadership of the guys in the room. In this case, guys like, you know, Patrice Bergeron and Brad Marchand and David Krejci and guys like that to make sure the guys know what's, what's expected of them and make sure they don't make mistakes. 
Yeah, that's actually something we spoke about a lot last week on our episode because I am not a fan of not using a bubble. Um, it's something that obviously I can only speak to with a bias because I'm not the person being separated from my family for 56 games. Right. And I would probably speak to it differently if I were. However, looking at how the NBA has already had to postpone games, how the NFL season was completely derailed because of COVID cases and things shutting down, the Browns are just made the playoffs for the first time and Lord knows how long and their facility just got shut down because their head coach has COVID among others. So I'm curious to see how the NHL handles it. And it is something that's pretty important in terms of how the locker room handles it. You know, are you going to go tell on your teammate that did not follow protocol? Or are you going to see if you're going to win that game if everybody plays? It's a gamble and it's really interesting to see how that's going to go. I do think both from a financial point of view and a logistic point of view, it's next to impossible to to bubble an entire season, even a shortened 56-game season. It's almost impossible. You could do it for the playoffs, which is what the NBA and the NHL did. You couldn't do it in baseball. They didn't. You certainly couldn't do it in the NFL. They were playing, you know, a 16-game regular season, one game a week for 17 weeks. You couldn't do it. Uh, I don't think you could expect anybody in the NHL to basically bubble for the next four or five months, uh, which is what you'd have to do here. Uh, if, if you're talking about regular season and playoffs, I was just looking at the schedule a few minutes ago. I think our regular season finishes on May 8th. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you go all the way to the Stanley Cup final, you're talking about somewhere early to mid-July. Right. Uh, you know, we're sitting here on, on January 5th. Are you going to ask guys realistically to shut things down and to sequester away from their families, their wives, their kids, their parents, their brothers, their sisters for six months? Mm-hmm. It is never going to happen. Yeah, like if they were able to do it, um, Tuka Rask obviously had to leave the bubble. You were the one that initially reported it, and it was because he had family issues he had to go take care of. There is absolutely no way that going from January to July, the entire uh, NHL isn't going to go through and have either family problems, health issues, personal things they have to go take care of at home, that they wouldn't have to leave the bubble and then re-quarantine, miss games, all of that. It's just a, it's a logistics nightmare and it's weighing the pros and cons in terms of if you're going to get sick and expose your family versus not seeing your family at all. It can't be done. And, you know, I, I don't think anybody could realistically expect anybody to do that. Um, you know, the, the case of Tuka Rask was one of those things where he had, a, had an issue with one of his children. A medical issue. And he basically told Cam Neely and Don Sweeney, I have to go home. And I can tell you honestly and sincerely, there wasn't a single player on the team who was upset with him for going home. Uh, I talked to a former member of the Bruins, one of his best friends who used to play on the team, who said to me, Dale, if it were me, I'd have gone home. Uh, Nobody begrudged him. Nobody was upset with him. Would they rather have had him? Of course they would. Uh, you know, he was a Vezina Trophy finalist. He's one of the best goaltenders in the NHL. They had a better chance of winning with him than they did without him, but they understood completely and they were not upset in terms of why he had to go and what he had to do. And they've got no second thoughts about him coming back and being the goaltender for the team right now. Yeah. One thing you mentioned before is you were talking about the leadership that it's going to take to kind of get through this season. I know with the department uh, departure of Chara, Shannon and I have talked about this a lot. Where do you see the leadership of the Bruins coming from this season? They've got a very deep leadership core here anyway. 
and as great a leader as Chara was, and he was, and is, um, you know, one of the best leaders I've ever seen. I said, I think I said on Twitter the other day, I think he's the second best captain in the history of the Bruins. No disrespect meant to Johnny Busick or others. Uh, Ray Bork gets the award for me, and Zdeno Chara is number two. But the de facto captain of this team, they haven't named him yet. They will by next Thursday, and I don't know what the hell they're waiting for. Yeah, I don't Everybody know why. Everybody on the planet they're... knows it's Patrice Bergeron. Let's get it over with. Put the C on his sweater and let's go. Uh, I'll be curious to see what they do with the A's. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bergeron had an A, obviously, with Chara being the captain. And then they would split the other A between Marchand and Krejci. And, you know, one guy would wear it on the road. One guy would wear it at home. What I'll be curious to see is if they split one of those A's again. And I'm curious to see if they stick one on, on Charlie McAvoy. I was going to say, I think it would look really great on one of the younger defensemen, especially because the leadership gap on defense since Chara left is pretty large. And, and, you know, Bergeron's the captain. We all know that. Uh, I have nothing against Krejci's leadership, Marshan's leadership. He's earned the opportunity to wear a letter. But you've got that next generation, and McAvoy is the leader of that next generation. In fact, if you ask me my opinion – when Bergeron retires, and I hope it's not anytime soon, I think McAvoy's the next captain after Bergeron. And I'd be curious to see if they try to put that leadership on him. He's young. You know, he's only had a few years of experience here. But he's clearly – the Bruins have always had this this line of, of great defensemen. And, you know, you can go all the way back and, and, you know, you've got Orr, and then you've got – that leads to Park, and that leads to Bork, and that leads to Chara. And, you know, you can keep going down that progression. McAvoy's the next guy in that line. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. I'd be curious. I would stick a letter on him, even if it's only half the games. You know, even if he's wearing it at home and, and you know, Marshan's wearing it on the road or however they, they apportion it. I'd stick a letter on him. I'll, I'll be curious to see if Bruce Cassidy does. I think one other thing to note there is that even though McAvoy's only had a few years in the league, Connor McDavid was named captain a year into the NHL. They do that a lot with younger players. Yeah, although I don't necessarily agree with it. Uh, no, it, I, that was wrong. You don't, <laughs> stick a, you don't stick the C on, yeah. a, on an 18, 19 year old kid. If you want to stick an A on him and groom him and prepare him, I'd understand that. I understand what Edmonton was doing. I disagreed with it when they did it. I mean, he's the best player in the NHL right now, as far as I'm concerned. But when they stuck the, the C on him and he's what, 18, 19 years old, yeah. you're going, whoa, whoa, whoa. An A on McAvoy is different than sticking the C on McDavid when he was, you know, a year into the NHL. Right. What if you compare this to now Sidney Crosby? He, very young captain, what, two seasons before he became captain there in 2007? Do you see it kind of like that path here? Yeah, I think that's a good good analogy, Megan. You know, where, you know, obviously he's joining a team that had – Pretty good player on there as well, uh, that guy wearing a C. So you could hold off a little bit, but he was clearly the next guy. 
McAvoy, in my opinion, uh, from a defensive perspective, is the next guy. Pasternak's the next guy among the forwards. I don't know if I see him as a leader, though. Mm-hmm. No disrespect meant to Pasternak, one of the, the most talented players in the NHL, uh, one of the best scorers in the NHL. Um, I, I don't know that they are looking for that kind of leadership from him. Now, this may be similar to Marshan. Marshan didn't get a letter on his sweater for a long time. Yeah. And Pasternak may not either. I could definitely see McAvoy getting one before I would see Pasternak getting one. I think Marshan still takes a fair amount of heat from fans that aren't info- not informed is the wrong word. but um... And who don't see what sweater you're wearing. <laughs> yeah, who don't see that I'm wearing a Marchand sweater, but they don't necessarily recognize him as a leader. They still think of him as a pest. So in terms that they don't necessarily see that the two can be can go hand in hand. Um, he can be a pest on the ice, and he can still be a leader in the locker room. So, well, it's my it's my opinion that sports fans take a while to catch up to reality. Well, <laughs> uh, you know, and Brad Marchand was what you described, uh, and I'm not sure proudly is the right word, but he knew exactly what he had to do. He did it, and he did it for a long time. He hasn't been that guy for really a couple of years now. Yeah. And it's probably not a coincidence that over the last couple of years, he has, in my opinion, become the best left wing in hockey. All due respect to that guy wearing number eight down in Washington. I think Brad Marchand has become the best left wing in hockey. And it's probably, you know, not by accident that he stopped doing some of that other crap and concentrated on his game more. And I think it really shows. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Segwaying back to Chara a little bit, we were all kind of taken off guard when he left. Not that you're going to have the wild answer, but we were kind of conspiracizing on why he would have left and, you know, the Bruins asking him to focus more on leadership and maybe less on doing those top minutes with Charlie McAvoy and things like that. Do you think that that may have played a role in his leaving if his departure is really going to have a huge impact on the Bruins? That was something we were asked last night on a podcast we were guesting on. Or if you really think that they've he set them up for success prior, they've got Bergeron, they've got McAvoy, they've got that depth of leadership, and they've got the Bruins prospects on the blue line. Well, I I think they were. I think in this case, Don Sweeney was honest with him, and I think they were upfront with him. They offered him a contract months ago. Mm-hmm. They wanted him back. They made it clear they wanted him back, but they made it clear he would still wear the C, but he wouldn't be playing twenty some minutes a game. In fact, there would be some games where he might not play at all. He might sit out from time to time. Uh, I think that they understood that it was critical to get some of the younger defensemen integrated into the lineup. Uh, Zdeno Chara, at 43 years old, is still, in my opinion, one of the best two or three penalty killers in the NHL. Yeah. In that role, he is spectacular. He's not the same guy that he was four, five, six, seven years ago. He can't be. Uh, only Tom Brady can do that at 43. Uh, he's the only guy who can pull that off. Still a fresh wound. <laughs> I know. Sorry. Too soon. Um, and look, I, I love Chara. I love his leadership. I love everything about him. And to his credit, he went out of his way to say, you know what? Donnie was upfront with me. He was honest with me. Now, he claims, Chara claims, he has no guarantees going to the Capitals. But I think it's easier to go to the Capitals and you know, spend a night up on the ninth floor watching upstairs if you're not the captain of the team and don't have that C on your sweater. And, you know, haven't been a guy who hoisted a cup over your head as, as the captain of the Bruins. 
I think it was a hard thing for him to do, to picture that. And I understand it. I all due respect to him, who I think is, you know, his number will be retired. He'll go to the Hockey Hall of Fame. He is that kind of guy. But he's going to Washington now. He doesn't have a letter on his sweater. He won't. If he gets sat out, and most of the things I've read out of Washington is they're viewing him as a third-pair defenseman, which is what I think the Bruins viewed him as. Critical penalty killer, you know, that sort of thing. I think it's easier to do that there than it would have been to do that here. Totally. Going into the new season then, obviously you said training camp started yesterday. The Bruins didn't make too many significant roster additions. The the biggest thing, I think, was losing Chara, quite frankly. As we work through training camp, do you envision any of these prospects making a big splash and making an impact moving up? Or do you think it'll largely stay the same? Obviously, we've made a, a reasonable playoff run the last few years. We went to Game 7 with the Blues. Um, but do you think that there is anyone in the prospect pool right now that is ready to make the jump? I, I think the guy that they're probably hoping is that guy is Jorho Vakanainen. Uh, you know, he's a young defenseman. He'll be a left defenseman. They've got mm-hmm. three left defensemen who they're going to look at to, to take some of those minutes that Chara had before. There's... Uh, Jacob Saboral, there's Jeremy Lazan, and there's Jorho Vakanainen. I think Vakanainen is the guy probably with the most upside. Uh, Lausanne's the guy probably with the most NHL experience at this yeah. young stage of his career. Let's not forget, the Bruins uh, are missing two defensemen from last year. Uh, Tory Krug was a huge oh, yes. loss for this team. Uh, quarterback on the power play, puck-moving defenseman. Uh, you know, had really blossomed into one of the top offensive defensemen in the NHL. I think they felt they needed some size uh, with Krug and and Matt Grizzlick. You know, they were wondering, can we have too many five nine defensemen out there at a time? Uh, you know, and it's tough in this day and age to compete at that size at this level. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kevin Miller will be back, and everything I've seen over the last couple of days, you know, looks very good coming back. And I'm rooting for him. He's such a good guy. He's such a tough-nosed, hard-nosed player. But let's be honest. They're not counting on Kevin Miller taking Zdeno Chara's minutes. They want one of these young defensemen to do it. I will give you another name that they did, a move they did make in this offseason that I think is being underplayed, but I think could be a critical move, and that's Craig Smith. Now, this guy is a a good shooting, right shot forward. He's got a great shot, in fact. Um, I think you're going to see him on that third line alongside Charlie Coyle. And, and I think that it has the makings, the feel, at least to begin with, of a pretty decent third line. You know, your first couple of lines, you're feeling pretty good. Assuming Andre Kasha does a good job as the right wing on the line with Krejci and DeBrusque. You mm-hmm. love your first line. Uh, I think your fourth line is probably going to be Trent Frederick and, um, uh, I think Charlie Wagner will be there. I kind of like their fourth line. It's got a little beef, a little heft to it as, as we're going forward here. I think Craig Smith is a move that maybe some people have underplayed a little bit, but I think he's going to be an important move for them. Yeah, I completely agree. As we fill those gaps, you know, the division did change, and the East is definitely the most robust of the options. Do you think it's going to help or hurt the Bruins that, that they're – regular opponents changed a little bit. Obviously, Tampa moved, and we were cha- playing Tampa often. Uh, same with Toronto. 
But now we're seeing the Flyers, the Islanders, all of them. So Sedano so Chara eight times. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, in, in effect, the Bruins have become a member of the Metro. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, gets fine. Um, they were the president's trophy winning team before the league got shut down. They were one of the best teams in the league. They certainly, uh, you know, have to make some some moves here. Not, not moves. They have to fill in for people like Chara and Krug. But in my opinion, they're still one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference, however you call it that now. And, and I think they could compete <laughs> the as one of the best teams in the or East. What is it? The yeah. East Division now? The oh, Mass Mutual East. No, the Mass Mutual East Division. Mm-hmm. I read that today. We've got a corporate sponsor for that thing. Uh, I still like them as one of the better teams in the East, one of the best, one of the better teams in the NHL. So I feel pretty good about it. Um, I think Tampa's going to take a little step back this year. Uh, you know, I think, and you know, okay, they were the defending Stanley Cup champions. Taking a step back is not a bad thing. <laughs> but I think that you know they had some salary issues. They had to, to I, LTIR some guys to make up some money. Uh, I think that, that they've probably come back to the pack a little bit this year. Mm-hmm. So with this change, with this East division, we have Boston, Buffalo, Jersey, the Islanders, Rangers, Flyers, uh, Penguins, and Caps. Who do you see other than the Bruins rising to the top here? Caps. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Caps are, are the team to beat in the division as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they were a good team anyway. Um, right. <clears throat> I don't know how much Z has left to give them other than leadership, which he's got you know, coming out the wazoo. Um, you know, I, I don't know how much they're expecting him to go out and play huge minutes back on the, on the Caps blue line. They're a good team to begin with. Uh, if, if you ask me which team in the division would be the team to beat, I'd say them. Although any team that has Sidney Crosby and Yevgeny Malkin is pretty damn good. Uh, so I know, I see it for God's sakes. I mean, really, at least you guys have got the colors coordinated. You know, with the black and gold stuff. That was a match. (laughs) Now, Megan, are you from Pittsburgh? I am not. My dad grew up in Pittsburgh. (laughs) Yeah, my dad grew up in Pittsburgh, so it kind of just came with the territory. Um, Uh, Okay, if you follow your dad's team, I'm okay with it. At least Shannon's from here, for God's sakes. (laughs) She can wear the Marshan sweater, and it's okay. Yeah, I definitely uh, just kind of inherited it, but my dad kind of wasn't as into it. Um, as I've become, like when we went to college in DC, every time the pens were in Washington, I was there. And every time my dad would come, they would lose. So he was not allowed to come anymore, um, during playoff season because that was just not good luck. So you went, both of you went to college in DC and you Mm -hmm. didn't become Caps fans. I actually just asked for a Capitals jersey for um, my birthday, probably an hour ago. So, as long as it isn't I, Tom Wilson, I'll probably be okay with it. That's her favorite player, but he's my least favorite player on the Capitals. I love Tom Wilson. I've had Shannon on the search for the Tom Wilson reverse retro jersey since the day they dropped. I'm like, okay, Shannon, I'm not going to find it anywhere where I live because I'm between New York and L.A. I was like, Shannon, you find this jersey for me? Just buy it. God, so if I come up uh, behind you, Megan, when we finally meet in person, I come up behind you and punch you in the back of the head, which is what Tom Wilson would do. You'd be okay with that, right? I mean, 
you know, circumstantially, I'd let it go. Okay. All right. Well, as long as you're fair about it. You know, Megan, you told me we had a debate last week on the helmet ads and how she was saying that extra ads are, which now we can say that about the division sponsorship as well, that extra ads are not hockey. They're not hockey culture. And I was saying that the boards are covered in ads. They're you're, a hockey game is literally surrounded by ads. And she said, well, why are you watching? You guys are too young. Uh, Back in the day (laughs) when I was starting in in the game, there were no ads on the boards. Uh, The boards were all white, you know, all around the entire arena. And when they finally started to put ads on the boards, the hockey purists nearly had an aneurysm. Oh, my God. (laughs) This is the end of the game. You know what? I mean, all due respect to the people who buy the ads on the boards now, I don't even see them anymore. That's why I said I was like, who's watching the boards? Unless well, you're a Tom Wilson fan, you got to watch him because he's just hitting people into them. That's true. That's I'm okay point. with that. <laughs> and then they started putting ads on the ice. And again, hockey purists up in arms. Oh, my God, what are we doing? I'm fine. And this year especially, they're putting ads on helmets this year for the first time ever. I think that's going to go forward. Uh, they have sold the names of the divisions corporately. I'm okay with that, too. This year of all years, make every dime you can make because you have lost so much money. You're going to lose so much money this year without fans in the stands. Uh, I got no issues with any of that stuff. Now, look, I don't want this to become Swedish professional hockey where you're covered from stem to stern with ads or anything like that. The little bit that the NHL is doing, which is a a logo on either side of the helmet and and the corporate name uh, of a division – Let's be honest. You're never going to say the Mass Mutual East Division. I may have to on Nesson because they tell me I have to, but you're <laughs> never going to say it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't care. It's the East Division. What difference does it make to you if they're able to recover some of the money that they've lost, which is tens, oh, if wow. not hundreds of millions of dollars? Do it. Yeah, the divisions doesn't bother me. I don't know why. But the, I mean, what bothered me was that they sold it to Scotia and Mass Mutual were both named after locations. So imagine being the Rangers in the Mass Mutual East Division. I didn't even I, think of that. I hope David Quinn gets a little shudder whenever he thinks about that. <laughs> like the Pittsburgh Penguins of the Mass Mutual Division. Like the <laughs> Okay, no one's ever going to say that, though. That's the only way I'm going to refer to divisions now. <laughs> Every team, just go for it. Yes. So if you were, you know, Cam Neely and the Bruins front office and you were picking the helmet ad for the Bruins, what would you pick? You know, I I haven't heard anything yet about any corporate sponsor. I I will tell you that the Bruins have had a a substantial advertising partnership with a a Chinese firm, uh, and they have had... The Bruins have gone to China on a oh, yeah. of different occasions. Uh, it would be interesting if they did that. Um, Mass Mutual's taken. I, I guess if you live where I live, you're just looking for a Dunkin' Donuts logo on your helmet, and you'd be good to go. Oh, I'd be here for that. Yeah, the Dunkin' Donuts one makes sense. We were also criticizing last week that um, the Devils, the Predators, and the Capitals all chose their arena sponsor for the helmet. So it's just another Capital One that I can look at every time I watch a Capitals game, um, things like that. But kind of makes sense. Hoping, I mean, it makes sense, but I'm hoping they don't pick TD Bank. <laughs> well, I, I think you're finding, I think Scotia getting the naming rights for the 
North Division, the Canadian Division, has a lot to do with the significant corporate partnership that the NHL has. The Honda thing is the same way with the Western Division. Honda is such a significant corporate partner with the NHL. Yeah. I, I think what the league is doing is trying to, you know, give something back to these major partners. Hey, listen, you know, we, we can't give you everything we used to give you, but here, we'll name the division for you or, you know, that sort of thing. I think they are trying to keep some of their partners happy here. And it's smart business if they are. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, the divisions don't bother me that much. This morning I was like, this is dumb. But, you know, they're, they they face a lockout if they don't make some of this money back. So do whatever you have to do to keep hockey on. So. I, uh, I like the way you're thinking. Nothing, anything that avoids a lockout is good for me. Right. <laughs> One other thing that was announced today besides the divisions was that uh, Brad Marchand did a media interview after having off-season surgery. And he was saying that he, you know, was playing at 80% prior. He can't believe he waited two years to do this surgery. Do you think that he's going to come out playing better than he was prior or he's just full of it going? I think it's possible. He, uh, he had a red non-contact sweater on yesterday. Mm-hmm. Today he had a, a normal black practice sweater on and was, you know, participating in battle drills and all that. He says he's going to be ready to go next Thursday for the opener. I never know how they put a number on it. You know, how Brad Marchand says, I, I was playing at 80%. I don't know. Right. Is it 73%? Is it 84 I don't know what the number is. But he knows better than anybody that he was not playing at his normal rate, and you look at how good he's been the last couple of years, right? and you think about, okay, let's say that he's 100%. Whoa. Because I already told you, I thought he's the best left wing in the game now. What's he going to be like if everything is healthy and, and, you know, all guns blazing and ready to go? Yeah, it'll be scary. That top line is fantastic to watch every game. Every, every year. Bruins fans, and maybe Bruce to a lesser degree, degree, Bruce Cassidy, they fight with this. You know, they're so great together, but should you split them up? Should you, you know, put everybody down through the line up here so that you don't have, if you shut that line down, you shut the Bruins down. They are the best line in the National Hockey League. Now, there's a line in Colorado that's pretty damn close, but I think this is the best line in the NHL. Uh, I would ride that horse till the legs fall off. Uh, they're so good together. They're so powerful. They're so creative. They're magical. I keep them together. And that's, I think, the way Bruce approaches it as well. Yeah, you're right. You know, they always they slump in the middle of the season, as any player or line does. And they do try to break them up. And it never makes sense. Pasternak is just not going to go and play better on the fourth line. It's, just, it's not going to happen. Oh, but they always stick him with, with David Krejci. Right. They think that somehow the birthright of the two players will somehow meld into some magical on-ice thing. Uh, and and Krejci's terrific. What I've seen from Marchand, Bergeron, and Pasternak, you're not getting that from anybody else. Right. They all run at each other fast enough. It'll make a spark. We'll see. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so if you had to choose, this is a totally no segue, just going for it. If you had to choose any other team's fandom to be a part of that isn't the Bruins, who would it be? Uh, I started my career in the minor leagues working in the Flyers organization. Uh, I started my career in the NHL working in the Devils organization. 
but if I had to pick a place, if I had to pick a fandom that I wanted to be a part of, um, well, if I picked a place, it would be Vancouver. It's my favorite city in the NHL, other than Boston. If I had to pick a fandom, I cannot pick Toronto or Montreal. My my genetic makeup doesn't allow me to do that. I think um, you'd burst into flames. It's not. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, I would self-immolate in front of you right now. I can't do that. Uh, you know, maybe Colorado or something. I, I'll pick some and knock you. No, I'll tell you what, who it would be. Edmonton. Uh, Edmonton's got the historical background. Uh, they've got the best player in the NHL right now in Connor McDavid. If I had to pick a, uh, an organization to suddenly become a fan of, I'll pick Edmonton because it's far enough away from here that maybe nobody will hear this. <laughs> I think that's a safe pick. How is it working in the Flyers organization? Are they as awful as I think they are? No. Really? <laughs> Uh, I, I worked for them a long time ago, way back in the day. Uh, and, and they were pretty close to the Broad Street Bullies. And, and I'll, I'll give you an example, okay? The Flyers every year would have training camp up in Portland, Maine, where I was working for the Maine Mariners. And they would all come to Portland. They'd do training camp. And you know the, you know the names, even if you don't know the, the histories or, or the people like I do. Every year, at the and my job with the main Mariners was to, to coordinate training camp, uh, book hotel rooms, schedule ice time, get buses, you know, all those things, the logistical things. It was part of my job for the main Mariners to do that every year, every year at the end of training camp, Bobby Clark would come into my office with the main Mariners and thank me for what I had done. Now he's the captain of the Philadelphia Flyers. He's a hockey hall of famer. Mm -hmm. You know, he is a, badass mama jamma and he would come in and talk to this you know 25 year old kid in portland maine and say dale i just wanted to thank you for everything you did it means a lot to our organization thank you he was the captain of the flyers he's in thanking me for what i'm doing scheduling buses and ice time and sandwiches at the practice rink that's the kind of guy he was that's the kind of organization they were uh i had no issues working in the flyers organization uh, some of my best friends to this day in hockey were guys who were playing in that Flyers organization and at the minor league level, which is where I was back in the day. Uh, Dave Poulin, uh, you know, is, is you know, the, the joke that David and I always make is that I signed him to his first pro contract. He was playing in Sweden. We brought him into Portland for the Mariners to, uh, to a, a, and we were going to sign him to a pro tryout agreement to finish out the regular season and play for us in the playoffs. He sat at my desk in Portland, Maine. I typed up the contract. Now, I didn't negotiate, obviously. They're not giving me that kind of power. I typed up the contract. I slid it across the table to him. David signed it. I signed it. He was a member of the, of the Mariners at that point, the Flyers organization. Went on to become a terrific NHL player for the Flyers and the Bruins. Uh, one of my favorite people in the game. That was the sort of thing that I got to be a part of. And as a young guy trying to make the move from the college game to the professional game, even at the minor league level, uh, the Flyers were terrific to me, and I have nothing but great things to say about them. So nice. how, how about the Devils? What are, what are we thinking here? What, how do you feel about the New Jersey Devils mascot? Well, you have to understand that I was the, the, uh, the green and red Devils 
back then. Uh, I was joining an organization that Wayne Gretzky called a Mickey Mouse organization. Um, I was with the Devils the first year they made the playoffs. We were playing the 80th final game of the regular season. We're in Chicago. And if the Devils tie or lose, they don't make the playoffs. The Rangers do. If the Devils win, they go to the playoffs for the first time in, the, in their history. So the game goes to overtime. And Doug Carpenter, who's coaching the Devils, is trying to decide when he's going to pull his goaltender in overtime. Because a tie, he loses. Uh, a loss, he loses. He has to win. John McClain scores a goal before he pulled the goaltender. John McClain scored the goal in overtime. Bruins beat the Blackhawks. They go to the playoffs for the first time in their history. Uh, John Van Beesbrook cried tears like a baby back in New York because the Rangers didn't make the playoffs. It just filled my heart with glee. And the next thing I know, the Devils are in the seventh game of the Stanley Cup semifinals against the Boston Bruins at what was then the Boston Garden. They lose to the Bruins in game seven. And, I mean, it was magical. And Sean Burke came in from the Canadian Olympic team and, and did a great job in goal. I'm, I loved my time with the Devils. Now, the first year, not so good. Uh, but the second year, Lou Lamorello came in, took over the organization, uh, really did a great job putting the whole thing together. And, uh, I, again, like the Flyers, I got nothing but good things to say about the Devils, too. Well, Anna was hoping for a little hate for the mascot to join her, but you know, oh, it's, okay. it's probably an updated it's mascot. The devil, for God's sakes. I mean, what? Uh, crazy. <laughs> Explain to me what exactly the Flyers mascot is. He's oh perfect. my God, I hate Gritty. I hate Gritty. <laughs> what is it? Nothing. I mean, at least the Bruins have have Blades, who's a bear. He's just a simple bear. You're getting all cranked up about mascots. You take that Pittsburgh penguin sweater right off. I mean, first of all, think about this. When do you think the last time there was a penguin in Pittsburgh? I don't know. Never. Ever? <laughs> I don't know. Eerie? Yeah, come on now. around at a zoo? I don't even think there are penguins in the Pittsburgh Zoo, for God's sakes. I'm going to confirm that next time I'm there. Help, help your, have your dad do it. He's the guy who made you a penguins fan, for God. True. True, true. Okay, so now we have some social media questions that were submitted for you. Oh, boy. First one being, of all your years in reporting, what was the most difficult interview you've ever done? Uh, Any Monday during the Patriots season with Bill Belichick. I hosted uh, Bill Belichick's radio uh, weekly hit uh, for a number of years here. That is painful. Um, and, and he actually kind of likes me. I think he's actually a huge hockey guy. Every time before the mics would come on, he'd be talking about, Oh, how's Claude doing? How are the Bruins doing? How's Z doing? How's Bergeron doing? And then the mics would come on and that Belichick shade would come down (laughs) and it would be, yeah, we're just going to do what's best for the team. And uh, it was always difficult dealing with Belichick. So I would say on a weekly basis, that would be it. Okay. How about what was the best interview you've ever done? I've got a couple. Um, now you guys are too young. These won't mean anything to you. So trust me. Um, 
I, I once had an opportunity in the old Boston Garden. I once went out the back door of the Bruins locker room and I paced off how many steps it was to the back door of the Celtics locker room. It was 13 steps. And then I found out that Ray Bork had never met Larry Bird. They worked in the same building. They were 13 steps apart all these years and had never met. Uh, I invited both of them to come into the studio. Uh, they came in to, to do an interview with me. I had a, uh, a Bruins jersey made up with number 33 and Bird on the back. I had a Celtics jersey made up with number 77 and Bork on the back. Uh, and Bird had gotten lost trying to find the radio station. He was a couple of minutes late. But he kept you know, calling and saying, I promise I'm going to be there. I'm just, I'm, I'm lost. I'll be there. So Raymond was in the studio with me and, and we're talking. And the door opens and Bird walks through the door. And I actually got to say, Ray Bork, this is Larry Bird. Larry Bird, this is Ray Bork. And they shook hands and they hugged and they sat down and they talked for the next hour. That was one of the coolest things I've ever done. Yeah, that's going to be anything I ever do. That's for sure. <laughs> I will ever do in my life, but you know. Oh, amazing. All right. Well, with the season starting next week, we'll just wrap up with who are you going to predict for the Stanley Cup final? What, what I desperately want is I want the Bruins and the Canadians to play for the Stanley Cup. Could you imagine what that would be like? It would be. I went to the Winter Classic when they played um, at Gillette, and the Bruins oh, were awful. horrendous, horrendous. Oh. <laughs> I was there with my family. I wasn't working because uh, NBC has the game. I was there with my family, and I wanted to leave at the end of the first period. It was horrific. It was just the worst. But could you imagine what it would be like in the province of Quebec, in the state of Massachusetts, if the Bruins and Canadians were playing for a Stanley Cup? There would be deaths in the street. It would be the best. Yeah, I remember I went to, it was probably the last time they were in the playoffs, um, and I was still living in Massachusetts, and I went to a game seven where the Bruins lost to the Canadians, um, and it was very unsafe to be in the garden at, the, <laughs> at that day. It's great. I, I I love the passion. I love the atmosphere. If I was looking at realistically the best teams in the East, <clears throat> I've already told you, I think the Caps are one of the best teams in the East. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the Bruins are in that top two, three, four teams in the East. Out West, I love Colorado. I just think they're so good, uh, <clears throat> so talented. So it, it, if I was throwing it out here now just for the sake of bleeps and, and giggles, uh, I'd say Colorado against Boston for the Stanley Cup. Interesting. You think Colorado over Vegas? I'm not as big a fan of Vegas as some people are. <clears throat> and Ghosh okay. is doing the games out there, and he's a dear friend of mine. Uh, but I, I, I like Colorado better than Vegas. If you if you made me choose right now, I like Colorado better. Got it. Well, we'll see if those are if you've manifested these into the world now and see what happens. If I'm wrong, lose my number. <laughs> no, fair. I've got one last question before we wrap up. Obviously, we're going into the expansion draft this season as well, which is uh, pretty interesting knowing that it's a shortened season and that there won't even be fans there. But is there anyone on the Bruins that you think is at risk? If I was, uh, well, they're going to lose somebody. 
they, well, they, yeah. <clears throat> if I was going to sit here and make a prediction right now of a player that they're going to have to expose and will lose, uh, I'll give you Nick Ritchie. I think he might be the guy. I'm yeah. going to keep going because I have more questions now. Oh. Um, <laughs> really quick. Do you see a world where the Kraken takes Mark Andre Fleury and he just gets passed from expansion? Well, they can't necessarily, but if they do a trade there, uh, that'd be cool, I guess. Uh, and by the way, I, I agree with Shannon. I love the logo, uh, I love the colors, I love everything about it. I actually, when they first named the team and and brought and brought the logo out and everything, I actually bought a hat and a T-shirt of the Seattle Kraken. And by the way, I work for this team you know when i do the games on tv but i just thought it was cool i i liked it um i, I have a feeling mark andre Fleury is not going to end his career as a member of the vegas golden knights so i think your idea is probably not that far off yeah shannon and i both love the kraken branding we both are like okay cool. we need a new sweater we're here yep. for it yeah i mean i i went i said i was wanted a Capitals reverse retro jersey, but that was after I had looked and seen that the Seattle Kraken jerseys are not yet on sale. So, <laughs> no, not yet. In due time, due time, right. Shan. All right, Dale. Well, thank you for taking time to talk to us today. We really appreciate it. Um, like we said, you are our first guest, so an esteemed guest at that. What a great um, way to start. <laughs> sort of a lot of pressure on me, isn't it? <laughs> you did fantastic. So, I grew this thing up for you. No, no, was, not at all. And it's just, she was about that tall. <laughs> yeah, you drive me to soccer practice. So, little kid sitting in the back seat of my car. I mean, <laughs> happy to oh, go. Times have changed. Huh? Is it? Oh, how times have changed. I don't know. She, I can't tell if she's tall or not now. But uh, oh, yeah, I'm five ten. Oh. So <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> But yeah, thank you for coming on and joining us. It was nice to catch up after all these years from going to soccer practice. Um, our viewers are really looking forward to hearing all that we have discussed today. Um, make sure for all of our viewers out there that you check out Dale's social media and our social media. You can find Slapshot Sweethearts at S Sweethearts Pod on Twitter and Slapshot Sweethearts on Instagram. My name is Shannon, and I am with Dale Arnold and Megan Rachel, and that is all for this week. Thank you again.